Hello, my friends, and uh, welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 52 of The Informed Catholic. So, um, this last couple of days over the weekend, I managed to finally see the movie Father Stu. I never had a chance to see it in the theater um, around when Easter, before Easter, just didn't have the time, unfortunately. But I finally got to see it. I bought the film uh, on Amazon um, streaming. Um, and I own it so I can watch it anytime I want on Amazon Prime. I, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's the only way. I don't, what do you call, want to buy DVDs like before and have DVDs around. I mean, trust me, I'm struggling uh, to clear up my room. I have a lot of books and that's a struggle because there's a lot of good Catholic book out there. So some of my books are on my Kindle. And I struggle which books I want to have hard copies out around me. It's it's difficult. So um, let's begin with a prayer, and um, and I'll tell you what I thought about the film. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the one of the most wonderful things that's been uh, happening lately, my mom and I have been uh, uh, reading and praying from the Magnificat, uh, a missile booklet that... Um, that's been, that's put out. You can probably, I'm sure, if you have uh, in your neighborhood or in your parish, if they have a, a small bookstore, or you can order it online. Actually, I think it's great if you, you know, if you can afford it, you know, if it's possible to get it, or just use your regular missile. Um, it's really been great. Um, I think it's one of the things I think I'm very happy about, and. Uh, that God has uh, has blessed my mom and I because I'm, I think it's wonderful that now we pray this and we do the daily readings and everything. It's great. I mean, God really does uh, work in our lives if we're open to let him, let the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. I think if you can do this with the person you love in your life, anybody, uh, your mom, your dad, your grandmother, um it's great and you be open you have to have prayer in your life all right god 
God wants to enter our lives and he wants to enter our lives. And so we have to be open to prayer. And he'll he'll bless us. Because prayer is is talking to God. Prayer is relationship with God. All right. So, yes, I finally saw Father Stu. <laughs> so, uh, I guess I should say this. Everybody does this these days. Spoilers. Okay? Be warned. If you haven't seen the film, uh, spoilers. Now, also, I will also say this to people. Yes, this film has a lot of vulgarity. It has a lot of cursing. It has uh, a lot of, um, you know, obscenities, a lot of F-bombs, a lot of swearing, a lot of taking uh, our Lord's name in vain. Now, I know some people are going to be like, why would you see this? Let me first hear me out. Yes, there are Catholics who saw this film, Catholic podcasters, YouTubers, people who do reviews for magazines, they didn't like this film. They really did not like it because they were bothered by uh, the cursing, the obscenity, the taking of the Lord's name in vain. And that's, that's fair. That's fair. I will, on their, on the, uh, I will respect what I respect their review on that one fairly now on the other side to defend the film i also think they were unfair they were also uh wrong wrong in some con in, in 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 fairly on a conclusion because one thing the film was i think realistic the film is extremely realistic and I think it reflected the culture, the world that we live in, which is in every decade, fashion or trend, there have been people like this. We've known people like this. We've known neighbors like this. We know co-workers that talk like this. All right. Not to say that it's right or excusable. It shouldn't be in a in a in a world of of, of uh, devout of, of good respect, of respectful faith, a good proper manners, a good way of loving God. You shouldn't be talking that way. You shouldn't be using language like that. But we don't live in that kind of world. We don't have co-workers and friends that talk that way that are respectful. But we do have people that do talk that way. We, we hear them all the time. They, they, they mix the F-bomb with the Lord's name. Right? I remember Scott Hahn. What did he famously say? We have young people and people around us that act like Jesus' middle name is, uh, is uh, F. And they talk that way. And that's, that's a, that's a reality. And I think this film that Mark Wahlberg produced, which he's telling a story, a real story of a man 
who came from a broken, dysfunctional family life. Irreverent family life. And he converted. And he struggled with his conversion. He struggled with his conversion. And he, man, became a priest. And I truly believe with my heart that Father Stuart Long will be a canonized saint one day. This was a very beautiful film. This is a beautiful film and it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful conversion. It really impressed me. It, 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 it made a very beautiful impression. I love the story. I really do. And I, I will watch this film again. I will watch this film again because this proves wonderfully and beautifully that God, that God wants us. And Stuart Long's conversion is hope. His relationship with our Lord, his desire to be holy is remarkable and, and, and it, the changes the Holy Spirit did to him. It's, it leaves you speechless. It does. I think this is, this is, this is going to be an important conversion film for a lot of people. And I think it's sad that a lot of Catholics um, really didn't give it the chance it needed. You know, I, it's regrettable. I think that some of the reviews were stuck up, you know, were very stuck up and I think a little bit self-righteous. You know, really a, a very self-righteous attitude, you know, a very stuck up attitude. No, he's not. Bernadette Subiru. He's not. He's not uh, a, a Saint Francis of Assisi. But then again, you know, Saint Francis didn't come from a, a, a saintly background. If he was born a saint, there wouldn't be a need to tell his story. Christ said, I came for the sick, not the healthy. And sadly, a lot of our, our, our fellow Catholic YouTubers um, out there, YouTubers and podcasters and reviews acted like that, behaved in, you know, in that category. I'm, yeah, it was hard for, it, it was not for the healthy. This film was not for the healthy. It was bring the sick into conversion. And if Christ is going to use, if the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, 
the Holy Spirit and of the Blessed Mother and heaven itself is going to use someone like this with a, with a potty mouth like that then guess what they did they did and and, and some of the reviews came from <laughs> some of them, some of it came from the rad trad section all right i hate to say it i'm not going to i'm not going to give any names i'm not going to throw any names some of it came from the rad trad corner you know, I, I, it's it's really it, it's really hilarious, you know the rad trad corner, the ones that are I I think are. I you know I think I def I still defend their right to go to the to the Latin mass. I'm going to say it's their right, and they should be allowed to go to see the Latin mass. But they're also the one that really need to learn. That still that still need a lot of conversion. You know. You can, you know, the ones I think that I think also are very Pharisaic in their behavior. Gibson himself, surprisingly, uh, never, I mean, I think <laughs> his acting was fantastic in this film. Gibson, Gibson the role he plays of Stu, Father Stu's of uh, dad. The role was good. Was great for him. His um, his girlfriend is a is a good director. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I think she was. I think she's a great director. I think she 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 did a great. She did a fantastic job with this film. You know, uh, Gibson is in the set of a contest uh, corner. If I said the said it correctly, you know he he's a he's a uh, a Latin mass goer. Um, he, you know, belongs to that, uh, radical group, um, which, you know, he's always been part of it. I've, I've only, I only started to learn about it when the Passion of Christ came out, when I found out he goes to, uh, that, that, uh, Latin mass group and he belongs to that group that, uh, thinks the chair of Peter is empty. That's what the set of a contest means. And he, you know, uh, the director, she's his living girlfriend. I mean, look, like I said, this film is about conversion. And I think it says a lot uh, about Gibson himself, that he's always, he always says he's a man uh, of a work in progress. And he's going to be doing the Passion of Christ sequel to it. So, like I said, we are all in need of conversion. All of us are in need of conversion. And, um, you know, I think Gibson's uh, desire to produce and make a film like this and help Mark Wahlberg put this film out there is great. You know? And I'm not going to put the spotlight anymore on Gibson's personal life. He does it himself. He speaks up. I still think he's a great... You know he's you know he's great for doing this. I think he's it's wonderful that he's making the sequel, The Passion to Christ. Like I said, God will work. He will use any instrument he needs 
to get this kind of work uh, work out there. I mean, we got The Chosen. Uh, Dallas Jenkins supported this film. I think it says a lot about Dallas Jenkins, um, uh, his desire to make films to convert and bring people to God. And I think Jenkins understands understands the need the need to make to use even this films like this i think he really wants to produce movies like father stew because i think from an artistic perspective but also from a um a ministry a ministry of getting the gospel out there or bringing souls to Christ, you gotta sometimes make really, really difficult films. Uh, and uh, that's true, you know, uh, because the evangelical corner doesn't use art very well. And I think Jenkins is beginning to see that. And when you begin to see that, when you begin to see the difficulty because they often make films for the converted. Um, you know, you see that in a lot of films. And get, and I think Dallas Jenkins understands that. Which is why I think a film like Father Stew speaks to him. You know, there's another film out there I want to see. It's an orthodox picture. Um, I think Mickey Wark work is in it is called the man of God. It's about an Orthodox priest living in a, uh, I think in a, in a, one of the early days, I think where there was a strong communist reach. I don't know if it's Greek, but I know it's Orthodox. It was advertised for it. And, um, uh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm hoping to get my hands on it. At some point I want to see it. And, um, it's, you know, it's, I think it deals with a lot with persecution. It deals with communism. It deals with faith, obviously, because it's about an Orthodox priest and it's called a man of God. And it looks really, really good. It looks good. I want to see it. Like I said, it's important that we got to make these gritty, hard films or else we're not going to be able to talk to people out there. God is going to use art. He's going to use art. And he's going to use real life. Okay? It's hard for people. It's true. Someone said, when you have converted and you're living that faith... I think for people, especially if they're not artists, and once you've been live, living in that uh, healthy and uh, faith environment, sometimes it's hard to talk with the language of the world. I know it hurts me when I hear people drop the F-bomb and using the Lord's name. I mean, hearing the F-bomb is not, is not a big deal, but hearing the Lord's name mixed with the F-bomb breaks my heart. And I don't like it. I don't like it. All right. So <laughs> when we when we first see, like I said, spoilers, 
when we first see Stu, he's a little boy. I mean, he's looks like he could be around 12, maybe 11 years old, and he's dancing. And uh, yeah, he's uh, his socks and his underwear, and he's dancing to an Elvis song and uh, wearing sunglasses, and he's using uh, something as like a microphone. You know, he's dancing, and the camera shows you a hand reaching out to a can of beer. And it's Gibson sitting there in a chair. And um, he kind of like, he mocks Stu about uh, his, uh, his dancing to Elvis. And um, kind of like really harshly. And you can, you can see this is not a happy home. Later on, we see Stu is a grown man, a grown up, and he's into boxing. We find out later on in the film he had a he had a, a brother that died, which affected the family. Obviously, you know there's a lot of drinking, there's a lot of cursing, and Stu finds out that he uh, he has a swollen jaw from the boxing that doesn't heal. And this has been happening a lot lately. Every time he gets into the ring and the doctor warns him that, you know, the last time you had an infection, you had a high fever. And this is, this is a serious sign. And he thinks his mom put up the doctor to it and everything. And he's just completely, you know, in denial. But, you know, when we see him next, he's in the church He's in a, a cemetery by a church, and he's sitting in front of the, um, you know, the grave of his brother. And you know he's he's still mourning his brother. You know he he takes out like a little box of candy or something and sprinkles it on his brother's grave and he's got a bottle of whiskey and he hard whiskey and he's drinking and it's still you can still that his heart you know is still mourning and whatever there's a slight flashback to to those events when he was a boy he was doing the same thing it's something he ritualistically he does he brings a, a candy that he him and his, his brother liked and he sprinkles it on his brother's grave and he you know you can see there's already a sense of devotion that's there. And um, as he walks out from the cemetery, he's again, he's a grown up, he's drunk, he punches the statue of Jesus out of anger. And some uh, uh, cops uh, come around, and I guess, you know, next thing that we know, he's uh, at the police station in the town, and he's, you know, he obviously got arrested. Then he tells his mom, I'm going to become an actor, which is ridiculous because whenever he puts, he makes a decision, he puts a hundred percent of himself, which you have to, you have to admire him for. And he made a few commercials. He managed to make a few commercials, which is later on, you kind of see his mom's reaction when she sees him selling one of those mop commercials that we we see, you know, in the past, you know, where you see someone, you know, 
showing you the super mop and everything. And, and uh, it, he, remarkably, he manages to get it, to get a few commercials done, I believe, you know, I don't know how many, but he managed somehow to do it. He goes to Hollywood. He's he's working in a supermarket. He's terrible at that job. He's asking every single customer, "Didn't I see you on TV?" and everything. There's one scene where he's he's rehearsing for a role of something, and this um this guy uh, who's handling his rehearsal or something. Uh, made a a a, a, um, a suggestion, a section. You know, if you really want the role, what are you willing to do for it? Which is implying, why don't you do a uh, you know uh, something sexual, and I'll help, and I'll maybe I'll get you there. He roughs up the guy, punches his camera, walks out. So he's again, he he's he he gets into obstacles. He fights back, which is something he does. He fights back. During the process, when he's in uh, working in a supermarket, he um, he sees Carmen, this attractive uh, young Hispanic lady. He falls in love with her and literally, uh, through a, a church flyer, hunts her down. Literally, he's stalking the girl to her church, which is somewhere in Hollywood, California, Um and he makes uh, makes his way into the church. They actually serve some food on Sundays. He's sitting down there with a bunch of people in the church basement. He's having uh, uh, some lunch. Uh, he's sitting next to a, a young, uh, young, young African American. Both of them kind of do a little duel with each other. Stu has very poor manners. And, uh, you know, he just often said what he says out of his mind, which could come off in the wrong, uh, in any environment as almost racist because of the way he talks. But he, um, he mocks the guy because the guy's name is Ham, which is a biblical name, one of Noah's sons. But, of course, he keeps associating with pork and Stu's knowledge of the Bible is only limited to uh, very little poor Sunday school. So eventually, he, he, he signs up with the catechism class just so he can get close to Carmen. So his conversion is nothing, is not for a quest of faith. Hold on, it's a lot of noise out there. Now, I'm sure that uh, Wahlberg and Gibson and... Uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember Gibson's girl, her, her name. I really should have memorized it. But interesting, the beautiful part about it is that it's well done. It's actually well done. I'm sure they took some artistic license here and there to for the, for the time to tell the story. And they always have to do it. And they're honest about it, I believe. That's that's a beautiful thing. He he basically joins catechism so he can get close to her. Um, some people complain about the lines in the picture, uh, claiming that like the, when he's talking to Carmen, it wasn't realistic, like the way certain men would talk. You don't know. I mean, look, there are a lot of people 
that try to make an impression by talking in a very manly, tough way and everything. Maybe because we're not in their environment. Maybe because we don't, you know, um, because there were some lines my mom had a hard time following uh, when she was listening. Yeah, she was watching it with me. She watched it. And she thought there were a few words here and there that were difficult to follow because of uh, maybe where Stu comes from, maybe the way, he, you know, uh, the cultural part of the country he comes from and everything. That's difficult. And it's true. There might be some some difficulty following those lines. But I think, I think Wahlberg and the director uh, were trying to capture that cultural background that Stu, Stuart Long came from. And um, I think they struggled with that a little bit, the cultural style of talk of the country he comes from. He comes from Minnesota, and I think it's a part of Minnesota where, you know, the the country talk language um, dialect can be a little difficult to follow. And we all know there are places like that in the country, you know, which I have to say, I give it to them for, for trying that, and maybe it might have been something that might have been a little difficult for the for the audience to to grasp, which I think they took it for unrealistic style of talking. I don't think it was. I think I, I don't I think it was head on. I think the only problem was it was you know it probably would have been is is taken as unrealistic. I don't think it was because you know, it's difficult. There are parts of the country where certain English dialects, country dialects, can be difficult. And I think that came from from uh, interviewing interviewing uh, Stewart's family. And I think it just came out that way. You know. But in the film... Uh, one thing you can say about Stewart, he wasn't a racist. He just said things that came out that way. He fell in love with Carmen. He really did. He fell head over heels with this girl. And God used Carmen, all right, to bring him into conversion. But the problem was, once he got, and you know, there's a funny scene in the church where he takes off his shirt. And uh, there's this young uh, white guy who is a priest, who, who later on will be, he wants to become a, a Catholic priest. And uh, Stewart gets very different reactions from people. Other, you know, Carmen is just touched by by his constant, uh, he's, he's constantly going after her and he's willing to do this. He's willing to convert to Catholicism for her. She's flattered. She's touched. And you can see eventually she's falling for him. Why wouldn't she? Other people he gets, they roll their eyes.
they roll their eyes at him because this guy is too much. Because like I said, he puts 100% of himself into something. He does it full heartedly. He may not know why he's doing it. You don't have to agree to why he's doing it, but he does it. <laughs> you know, and he eventually, after all that he's gone through, uh, you know, he's gone through, he goes to the conversion and eventually the, um, you know, the baptism and I'm sure the confirmation, everything. He's now a Catholic, but he's going to find along the road he's going to he's obviously going to face a spiritual crisis all right he meets her parents and her father says something which i think we have to remember later on affects him he tells stewart he says to stewart in my country men crawl on their hands and knees to the statue of a title for the madonna which i'm not um i'm sure uh, I've probably seen it, just haven't, just don't know it. I expect they crawl on their hands and knees to the Madonna, to the Virgin, to a title of Virgin Mary. I expect no less from my daughter. A very honorable, respectful thing and strong devotion he, he, he shows to his daughter. In other words, I want my daughter treated the way the Virgin Mary is treated by, by men in my country. Stuart gives... A steward answer. It's a good thing I got a carpet. And father laughs. Like I said, it's poor taste of words, but it's it's Stuart. <laughs> he finds himself in difficulty later on. And I'm sure there is a lot of things that probably in his life that were left out. Because again, he, again you go into something spiritual he doesn't know exactly why he's doing it. He's doing it for her love, but he doesn't understand the reality of his of his baptism and conversion. He finds it difficult to go to confession. Understandable. Because his intentions were different. It wasn't to get to know God, but it was because of a girl. In many ways, you could say he fell in love with Carmen's grace. He fell in love with Carmen's faith. He just doesn't know it. But yes, he also fell in love with Carmen. He's 100% in love with this young woman. It's obviously, it's a genuine love. But he's used, but he doesn't really understand the reality of the faith. You know, we all, we've all found ourselves whenever there's Young, uh, you know, I mean, I myself, there are young women I've seen, beautiful, and they're women of faith, and it touches you, you know, you know, I wish I could meet some young, a young woman like that, I wish I could get to know a young woman like that, uh, and it's hard, it's hard because, you know, you, you, you know, where I live, I don't, you know, I don't see them and you're not going to approach, even if you do see a young woman, you're not just going to approach them uh, because of the reason of them being attractive. But you, you know, plus you don't really know them. 
the ones that you do see and hear, let's say on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, you admire you admire their faith. They 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 tell you about their faith. They share their faith with with people on Instagram and Facebook or YouTube. And that's wonderful. But for someone like Stu, he's he wasn't a refined person. He wasn't someone I think who you're gonna see pick up a book and read. But God is gonna bring him there. He's gonna bring him there, and that's something we gotta we you know in the film you're gonna notice it. Now I told you that line his her father, the, his girlfriend's father said. And I told you he struggled in the confessional. He was. He it was not uh, easy for him. He never really grasped it. He kind of like resisted. He got into an argument with the priest. He got critical to the priest in the confessional, where it just wasn't working. Eventually, he found himself at the bar. And this is now. A soup, uh, grace is going to start coming in. He encounters some man in the bar who obviously was Jesus Christ. A supernatural moment. A road to Damascus moment, you could say. And this is, I know some people are going to find it laugh and find it funny, but these supernatural things happen. My mom just came in and she told me a terrible thing happened in uh, Nigeria. I don't know if it's southwest Nigeria. Um, gunmen went into a Catholic church and uh, killed um, killed Catholics. We were just talking and now she, uh, she's saying, I mean, all the stuff about the, like earlier, a couple of weeks ago, a tabernacle was stolen from a Catholic church in Brooklyn, ripped out. And everything and all these assaults on Catholic churches. And uh, I told her, well, you know, the media uh, loves liberal Catholics then, like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. But they hate conservative Catholics and they hate conservative Christians. You know, they love the liberal, hate the conservative, hate the, the, the orthodox. That's just the way it is. Anyway. So let's get back to this. Uh, I'm going to do a report on that later on. Uh, I just want to finish this. He encounters what most definitely was Jesus. People are gonna people laugh about that, but don't laugh about it. Paul had his conversion on the road to Damascus. We don't laugh about it, but he had his encounter with the living Christ. People will say, why him? Why Stuart Long? Good question. Why him? Counter argument. Why not? Why not him? All right. Why not him? In the movie, say, uh, the song of Bernadette, a nun who was very hostile to Bernadette, Bernadette Subiru, asked her, why you? Why you? Why not someone like me? The nun 
asked, who look in my eyes, they're tired because I deny them sleep. My hands hurt from working for him. Uh, my voice is cracked because I said long prayers for him. My knees hurt for being on their knee, for praying to him on my knees. Yeah, you did all that. You did all that. A lot of us have done long prayers. A lot of us have prayed the rosary. A lot of us have done, read the Bible over and over again. And the question is, was it for show? Was it for self-righteousness? Was it really for love? Because if it's devotion, that's fine. Devotion should come out of love and not for anything back in return, anything expected. Why not Stuart Long? Why not him? Did he deserve it? Absolutely not. And I'm going to say it. Hell no. He didn't deserve it. Did he ask for it? Absolutely not. He did not ask for it. Was he looking for it? No. Did he want it? No. He did not want it. He didn't ask for it and he didn't want it. So why him? God has his reasons. He was going to use him and he and there was this man standing right next to him at the bar looking over his shoulder. Beat up looking face, dark face, scarred. Guy's been fighting. He doesn't he looks like a man who's been in fights. And he says, and he talks to him about what he's going through. Like he knows what he's going through. Like he knows this, this strange place he's in, you know, in, in his mind, spiritually, supernaturally. And he wants to be left alone. And, and he says to him, you're going to get something that you, you know, you didn't. You didn't ask for. You didn't. You don't deserve. You didn't earn. You didn't earn for it. I'm going to give you a thousand. You have a thousand reasons to be angry, son. But I'm going to give you one reason to be grateful. Where in the world did this kind of language come from? He's looking at him and he said to him, and these are his words. I'd fuck you up if, if you didn't look like you were fucked up already because of his punch. And he, you know, his face is punched up, this man. And he looked at him and he says, as his steward, someone beat you to it. I'm paraphrasing, but it was in those kind of, those words. Where in the world did this come from? And then he tells him, don't drive home. Because he's been drinking. He asked the bartender, what has this guy been drinking? And the bartender said, just water. <laughs> and he looked around for the guy. The guy was gone. He gets on his bike. He has a, this like motorbike. And then he gets into a car accident on the road and gets run over. Now comes the second encounter. He's 
got the lights, uh, the EMS is around him. They're trying to help him. He's bleeding. He's bleeding all over. And remember, we know what's going to happen to him along the way. And we know that there were signs of it, warning of it in his last doctor appointment when he was when he was boxing. Now, his body's broken up. And suddenly, out of this light, we see what, what is obviously the Blessed Mother. And the words, behold your mother. He's looking up at her. She's got, she's t holding him. His blood is in her hands. This is a Piata moment. And he just looks up at her in his brokenness. In his now broken body state. And he says, he has to be a tough guy. Tell your son, I can handle whatever hellfire he throws at me. And she says, you don't have to fight anymore. He already died for you. And then she says this, and for Stephen. She mentions his brother. Now, the counter argument is, you could say, that this happened in the moment of his painful delusional state. Good, a good point, a good argument, a hundred percent possibility. We won't, we won't deny that. But I'm going to say this, there's also the hundred percent possibility that it did happen. And it happened in his moment of pain. Just because you could use psychiatry that it did happen, that it was, it was a moment of pain. He had alcohol in his system. He's in a, uh, his, he had a horrible accident. It could be psychological. It could be induced because of his pain. A hundred percent possibility. But let's look at the other possibility. That during all that pain and suffering, that it did happen. That he did see the Blessed Mother. That she really did come to him. Psychologically, in a state of pain. Right? It could have happened. Just because we don't see her or hear her ourselves when he's there broken on the floor or on the road, bleeding does not mean it could not have happened. It just means we didn't need to see her. He needed to see her. Right? It's very easy to dismiss this and say it was in delusion. But you can't really prove it either. That it was delusional. He can be delusional. Because he's in pain. But it doesn't mean he didn't have. A supernatural encounter. A supernatural reality. It doesn't mean she, she wasn't there. It doesn't mean that God wasn't there. In this modernistic world, we always got to 
we always got to take the 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 approach of doubt the approach of the scientific method and excuse everything because we have to i think it's complete total garbage you know i think it's nonsense I think it's also arrogance on our part to say it didn't happen. So, yeah, he had his road to Damascus moment. So did Francis of Assisi when he went off to war. All right, when he, you know, he got caught, he was imprisoned, he was uh, possibly tortured. And God met Francis in his lowest point where he questioned everything. Uh, St. Paul, in his moment of, of complete hatred, but we don't even know. The one thing, they don't tell us what was going on in his mind. We don't have all the details of the people he tortured. We don't have all the conversations he would have had. But we know he have had to have had them. Maybe he was questioning his his method. Maybe his teacher Gemimel rebuked him for for the violence he was using. Maybe, maybe, maybe the devotion and the love of his victims just bothered him. Their willingness to die for for Jesus of Nazareth. Who knows? We don't know. But we do know that he met him on the road, that he met Christ on the road. Saul, Saul, why do you keep persecuting me? Those are the words that were, that he, that he heard. So maybe we could safely say he was still determined. We can say sadly, not safely, but sadly, with certainty, he was still determined And that, that was the, that was the moment. And he was knocked off his horse. He was blind. He couldn't see anymore. He didn't see before the truth. So he had to take the physical, the physical world had to be taken away from him. And for three days, he was in that state of misery. Stu was in a horrible accident. Stuart Long was in a horrible accident. His body was broken and he needed, he got, he got time out. Let's put it that way. When he got started healing, I mean, there was a, an injury when he had to go for surgery. Um, because again, he had this problem, I guess, an infection and Carmen was there and she gave him a St. Joseph medal. His father was busy punching a, a candy machine because uh, it stole his dollar. <laughs> and, you know, he saw that she was giving him this, this medal. And it was an interesting moment. I didn't know this about St. Stephen. But first of all, he told, he, he said, this is, a, who, who is she? And then she responds back, who's asking? And then, uh, He's looking at the medal and he says to the student, this is Mel Gibson's character, um, 
doesn't she know you're an atheist? And then she responded back, he's baptized. And he looked at Stu and he says, is that true? And Stu, you know, I'll shorten the scene, yes. And then he asked, he looked at her and he said, you know who the patron saint of carpent, of, um, not carpenters, patron saint of coffin makers. And uh, I think she might have answered the question, St. Stephen. I didn't know that St. Stephen was a patron saint of coffin makers. And he looked at Stu. I guess he's responded, maybe that's what she should be giving you because obviously he's in a mess. Anyway, it was very interesting. And I guess it was odd because I didn't, he, he, he was caught off guard that Stu was baptized. That Stu chose to be a Christian, to become a Catholic. Stu eventually was slowly recovering. And it showed him he he wanted to go visit the bar, and he asked the bartender if he ever saw that man that night. And he said no, maybe he was just passing through. He remembered, he remembered that guy standing over Stu. He didn't have to listen to the words, but he remembered that guy. Then Stu went ahead and visited the road where he was hit, the spot where he he was on uh, in, on the highway where he was broken and he encountered the blessed mother and thought, and so began the moment when he was reflecting and physically recovering. He started praying the rosary. Now he, he goes through, he go he went through a tragic moment, a physical tragedy. And he's going through, He's forced into reflection and contemplation. He realized that his that he in his mind he now he knows for a fact that God is real. That God encountered him, that God confronted him, and now he wants to know what God wants from him. He reflects on the words that were said to him. And, you know, I'm going to get, you know, you have a thousand reasons to be angry, but I'm going to give you one reason to be grateful. And in the words of Our Lady, he already died for you and Stephen. And then she also promised him that he would not die for nothing. What did that mean? In many ways, you could say he was probably given a choice, and this changed him. He decided he was going to become a priest. Of course, this shocked his parents. There's a scene there. You, you, his mom thinks for Halloween. You know, you know the way the way his his parents think, and his girlfriend's shocked. She thought she was going to get a husband. She's completely caught off guard. She can't believe this is happening. She she was praying for a man in her life, right? She thought, it was, and, 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 you know, she never thought in a million years that God would use her to get him to become a priest. That's not exactly what she was looking for. So now she herself finds herself standing with the opposition about this, <laughs> you know, which is kind of like funny because 
this is not what she thought. This was this is not what she thought was going to happen, and it did. It happened. This is how it happened. So, yeah, he's, you know, he's now he wants to become a priest, but he he's not priestly material. Um, I don't think he's had college background. So in the film, we see him with Ham, the uh, uh, the young African American, who went who goes with him into the priesthood, and then there's that stuck up guy. He goes into the priesthood too, and he has to convince the head of the seminary, Holy Cross in California, I believe it's California, to to admit him, to to admit him. It was a little bit. He got rejected the first time around, but he goes ahead. And he gets that chance, but he does get obstacles. The stuck-up guy um, tries to use his relationship with Carmen to get him dismissed. And uh, Stewart kind of tells the head of the seminary, you know, it's really not good to be using priests as Judases. We know how that story always ends. And there's a scene where he's walking through the seminary with the stuck-up priest in his mind. He's really wants to beat the beat the crap out of the guy, and so he resists the temptation. There's a scene where he, in his head he's punching him, and you can see Stewart is changing. He really is the the grace of that encounter has changed him. He's finally getting the graces. He's finally getting it, and he's 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 uh, going through the seminary. He's going through the vocation. He's going through that stage. He's studying. He really is taking it seriously. It's the, the the encounter changed him, but he gets he you know he, he finds out he has that disease, the Lou Gehrig's disease, and it's going you know it's gonna it's you know it's for him it seems to be more progressive. A, you know, it, it's going to affect him. And it starts to show. It starts to show. He's eventually, um, Malcolm McDowell plays the role of the, the head of the seminary, uh, probably a Monsignor, I believe. He he has to let him go, which is tragedy because Stewart really wants to become mm-hmm. a priest. He really wants, he's good at preaching. There's a scene where he goes with the, the stuck-up young seminarian guy, they go to a prison. And he really has the gift of preaching. He really has a good gift of preaching. He really, he knows how to talk to these guys in prison. He uses their language, their their expressions, their words. And he he knows how to do it and they listen to him. He can do it in church. He can talk to people. The gift of preaching, the gift of tongues, it's given to him. And that, that is an amazing, you see the amazing transformation. He cleans himself up. He gets rid of his um, porn-like mustache star look. You know, he looked like a porn star. Basically, which is ironic because Mark Wahlberg kind of played that character in uh, in another film many years ago. But Mark Wahlberg is a devout Catholic. 
and he really understands Father Stu. He knows how to communicate this this character. Um, and you know, in in one scene in the film, Stuart Long goes to visit his father in a trailer park, and uh, his father is just, I mean, really, I mean, really, the man is miserable. You know, he eats his his dinner out of the pot. He's got a gun laying around. I guess he's contemplating of blowing his brains out at some point. Um, unhappy. And Stuart loves his father. You can tell he really wants his father to change. And he tells his dad, I'm going to pray for you. And his father yells out, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Pray for me. You're violating my rights as a man, as an American. <laughs> you know, and you're, you know, and you see like his other neighbor looking at him. It's and, and the funny thing is, he says to him, you know, this is a, you know, you're going to wake up the whole neighborhood. And Stewart says, it's not a neighborhood; it's a trailer park. <laughs> you know, but in a sense that you could see, Stewart now. A, completely looks at his father differently through the eyes of faith and he looks at his mom differently through the eyes of faith and anyway eventually he has to leave the seminary and there's that scene a moment when he's in the church he throws his crutches down and remember I mentioned Carmen's father what she says about crawling on hands and knees he does it he refuses to leave the church. He refuses to get out of that chapel. She came to him. He believes she'll come to me again. She'll help me. And he refuses to leave. And, he, and Ham calls his dad and tells his dad about Stuart. He comes to help Stuart. His father comes to help him. And they go back home to Minnesota, you know, and you see, you know, sometime later, Stuart's body, I mean, it's amazing what they did with the makeup. Um, Wahlberg really transformed, you know, the, whatever they did, it was the acting and makeup was fantastic. The transformation of his body, his muscles, his difficulty of walking, the weight gain. It was remarkable. It was remarkable the way they did it. It wasn't too much. They didn't overdo it, but they showed the main, the main important thing is in the acting. And there's a day his parents are taking him to a church. He doesn't know. I don't think he knows why. You know, they don't know. He, he doesn't know what they have planned for him. And it was, it turns out to be the church where his brother is buried. I think Stephen, because we see the statue of the Jesus he punched. And when they got into that, uh, it's funny, the scene where on their way, his father's taking him to the church, the mom went ahead of time, the car breaks down. And I want you to picture this. He takes Stuart out of the car. He takes a, a, a wheelchair, puts Stuart in the wheelchair. This is Mel Gibson's character playing the dad and pushes him along the way to the church to get him on time. Now, when they get there, it turns out 
his friends, Carmen, everybody, even Malcolm McDowell's character as the, as the Monsignor, I believe his role is as Monsignor, the head of Holy Cross Cemetery, including his best friend, Ham, they all made a petition for him to be ordained. He gets ordained. And the place he gets ordained is the same church, parish church, where his brother is buried. Now, he gives his homily, his ordination sermon. You see his father, played by Mel Gibson, standing in back of the church, looking through these bars like he's in prison. Like a man imprisoned looking out from his prison cell at his son, who's now ordained priest. His mother is sitting in the row with all, with everybody. And Stewart says that line, which you saw in, in the, um, in the uh, trailer, we shouldn't, we shouldn't pray Uh, for just a good life, we should pray for the you know the grace to endure a difficult life. Again, I'm paraphrasing the words, but and then when you look back at the scene when his when the car broke down and his father putting him in the wheelchair, I looked at back at it now and I see it as a Simon Cyrene moment, where Simon Cyrene helping Jesus carrying his cross to get to Calvary. In this case, he's helping his son, yes, to get to Calvary, to get be ordained a priest. You see? And his ordination, his suffering, is also becoming a channel of grace for his father and his mother. Later on, they said they had to send him to a, uh, a care center to live. And, you know, he's got an electrical wheelchair. And that home becomes a church. It's a, it, you know, he, 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 and you see a line of people standing out to to come to him for confession. And we get a moment, an encounter in the confessional with the priest, uh, a stuck-up priest, who, you know, who tried to, you know, who was, who tried to get him kicked out of the priesthood. This is going to be an interesting one. So... There's, um, like I said, the, the stuck-up priest goes to him for confession, which is kind of a surprise. And and this was a very good moment. This was a very, very beautiful moment. He He's confessing to Stu, and he said, no matter how hard I try, these hands remain unclean. And he tells him, you know, that he basically says to him, you had a good reason to leave the priesthood. And he admits, he tells him that my, I was expected to be, to go into the priesthood. 
I didn't want to. I didn't want to become a priest, but it was his family, his father. I think he expected this of him. And he wanted a way out. And he and he to literally tells Stu, you had every reason to get out. And you didn't take it. And I there's a scene, there's a part in line where Stu said, Do you doubt your love for him? And, you know, I can't remember the full answer for that one, but he was jealous of Stu's grace. He didn't understand why him. And Stu reminds him, you know, I'm not doing quite, I'm not doing good right now. You know, because he's dying. Stu is going to die. You know, it's terminal. The d- the disease is going to kill him. But he, you know, the guy admires him for the fact that he hasn't given up. Even when he got kicked out, the opportunity wound up coming back to him. Christ did not want him, Stu, to live to, to, he wanted him to die. His mission as a priest was to die as a priest. To, to, to his, his pain, his suffering, his agony was to unite him to him, to Jesus. The more he suffered, the closer he got to Christ. And there's a scene where Stu took off his St. Joseph medal that Carmen gave him. And he passed it through the grid to the, to the priest, to the one who tried to get him kicked out. And he tells him that, you know, we as priests have to also learn to be the less like, like St. Joseph, the lesser father. I'm paraphrasing everything. So, you know, you're going to hear it more when you see the film the lesser father. And it is in him, in his name, we should pray for this humility. To have the humility to be like St. Joseph, who was a priest. He was a priest in the home. And in Joseph, I remember, I don't know which who said it, but God had everything he had to say through the silent manhood of St. Joseph. God the Father said everything through the silent manhood of St. Joseph. And St. Joseph never had one single prayer uh, written down from his lips. I think if we want to know all the prayers, go back to the Psalms. Go back to the Old Testament. And also... Listen to the silence. Listen to the silence of St. Joseph. God God talks to us through his silence loudly. St. Joseph had to be the lesser father so he can be, God used him as the channel to communicate his own fatherhood. You know, just like uh, 
John the Baptist said, I must decrease, so he must, de- so he must increase. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Joseph had to decrease so that the fatherhood of God can increase. It's the same thing. And it was a very touching scene. That scene, you have to listen to it because I'm not doing it any justice. You have to listen to it. Much of the film, you've got to go see for yourself. It's a beautiful film. It's, I think it's going to be an important film. I think it's an important film for men. Because, you know, we live in a time where manhood is constantly attacked Constantly, Stu is a good model of manhood, and we need we need more films like this. More films like this that could that could communicate the right manhood for men, how to be a man. Stu, Stuart Long was a is a good example of that. And I, it, it, I'm sad that it didn't get the full attention it, it should have gotten in the theater. It should have gotten it. And I think more films similar to this one with a positive role, role model of manhood is needed. And I, you know, and I think there should be more films, more stories like this written um, and made into films. You know, because this nonsense, the, the world we live in, is so anti-holy. This was a perfect film about holiness. And I know a lot of people were offended. They didn't like the way the film was communicated. They didn't like the language. They didn't like the, 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 the irreverence of it. Yeah, you know what? How many people do we know are like that? You could be irreverent and still looking for God. There are a lot of people who talk, who speak a lot of blasphemy, say a lot of ugly things without even thinking, and they're still looking for God. To always, you know, we, we have to, we have to be patient with them. We have to be patient and we have to pray for them. Someone was praying for Stuart Long to convert. Some nun somewhere was praying for someone like him. Some priest somewhere was praying for some, someone like him. His, the spirit of his brother, Stephen, who died, his baby brother who died, was praying for him. The Blessed Mother wanted him. She, came, she was there on that road with him, broken. Christ came to him in the bar. And then this is what God gives us. He gives us Stuart Long. And a film is made of him. And all of a sudden, all the rad trad and uh, self-righteous, you know, the, the, the Catholics out there who have all these channels, the YouTube channel, the podcasts, the Instagram accounts, the who have these magazines, they don't like it. Because it's too much cursing. Give me a break. The opportunity was given for us to use this film. 
to promote this film and everybody dropped the ball. You did a great job, people. Wonderful job. And I, I have to say, it's to all of you out there who have, who had the opportunity to use this, to promote this, and to bring people into the faith, to help this film get out there and reach people. And you all dropped the ball. Really wonderful. Because it had too much cursing in it. Maybe someone needs to make a film on stuck up. Uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't just the rat trads. It was also, you know, the ones, the conservative Norbert Sordo types too, that, that dropped the ball. They also dropped the ball on this one. Really wonderful. Wonderful. Great job. Well, this film still can be promoted and it's still going to reach people and it's still going to convert a lot of people. And um, I think those those people who didn't like it should be ashamed of themselves because they really didn't see the opportunity this was given to us, you know, for using this film to convert people, to bring people to Christ. It's made for the unconverted. It wasn't made for the converted. It wasn't made for the saintly. It was made for the sick who needed it. The, you know, the healthy didn't need to see this film. It was those who were in a state of sin that needed to see it. Those who were looking for God that needed to see it. You know, I'm glad someone like Dallas Jenkins understood it. You know, I really am. I'm glad someone like Dallas Jenkins understand this. And there are a few people out there who understood it. Anyway, um, all right, that's, that's it, you know. Uh, I'm glad I, I got a chance to um, to promote this, uh, to review the film. And um, I hope a lot of you, I really encourage a lot of you to please go check out this movie. Uh, buy the DVD. Go on Amazon. Buy it streaming. Share it with your friends. Really, this is a great picture. It's a wonderful picture. I liked it. I think it will be a classic in the future, despite the stuck-ups out there who didn't like it, the stuck-up people out there who didn't like it. And mainly, I'm very upset with Catholics, especially those who, uh, in the, the podcast and YouTube world, um, both in the... Uh, in the extraordinary form of the mass and in the ordinary, the uh, no resorto, you know, who felt the film was irreverent in its language. You know, they were, you know, like they were that sensitive, you know, you know, it's, it's, you know, they really dropped the ball on this one. I'm sad about that. It's worth checking out. It is a great film. I think Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the Gibson's girl. Uh, she directed the movie. She did a good job. She did a great job. I think in the long run, it's going to become even more popular in the future. So, all right, I'm going to say Hail Mary and close it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. God bless.